Welcome, everybody. I'm Jordan Bianchi. This is The Teardown. I am a motorsports reporter here at The Athletic, normally joined by my colleague Jeff Gluck. However, this week we have a special guest, Michelle Martinelli from USA Today for the win. Jeff had a baby this week. He and his wife, Sarah, welcomed uh, Kaya Rose to the world. So Jeff is on leave for the next few weeks, and Michelle was kind enough to join us. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much. This is so exciting and huge congratulations to the Gluck family. That's very exciting. It sounds like everyone's happy and healthy and that's just great. Uh, healthy, yes. Happy, I don't know. Uh, I won't go into details too much because I don't know how much Jeff wants me to share. Let's just say the first couple nights, um, there wasn't a lot of sleep to be had and uh yeah, let's just leave it at that. But no, everyone is healthy and it does seem like they're getting into a routine and we expect Jeff back sometime next month. But we have lots to talk about today. We had a NASCAR race today. Um, it wasn't much of a race. It didn't feel like for most of it. Um, Ryan Blaney won. Um, I'm not really sure how because Kyle Larson had that thing dominated from beginning to end until about eight laps to go. But Ryan Blaney ends up winning. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I could have done without everything except the last 10 laps. That was just, it, it was dull. It was, there, there wasn't a lot going on. And you get that with a dominant car like the yeah. five had today. Um, but it just, the last 10 laps were great. That was really exciting watching Blaney try to get around Larson with his teammates, maybe helping out a little bit. Yeah, you make a good point. The, you know, Joey Logano, hey, he was lending a Team Penske assist there a little bit with Larson. Larson was frustrated over the radio. Um, let's, we'll talk about Larson in one second. I, I do think it's important with Blaney. This is kind of the antithesis of his wins the last few years. He's been a driver who's won a race every season since 2017, but he's won just one race a year, he, you know, and he's led a lot of laps and he's led, he's lost a lot of races. He frankly should have won. And this was a race he probably shouldn't have won. And it kind of went to the opposite approach, what they're used to have to me, this, this speaks well to this team and their growth and, and the continued step they make. I've been waiting for Ryan Blaney to kind of have this big breakout Chase Elliott-esque season where he wins three, four races and really is a factor, you know, throughout the whole year into the playoffs. I feel like we're going to get that now. I, with an earlier win in the season, it seems like maybe I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for Blaney to break through and and take that next step and get another win. Um, my question to you is, is Blaney going to be on any Xfinity broadcasts? Because I just read a stat from Xfinity Racing that said that Blaney, in 40% of his wins the day before, he was on the Xfinity <laughs> broadcast. That that can't be a coincidence. Wow, that's that's a heck of a nugget. I never thought about that. I, wanna, I mean, there is something to be said for being up in the broadcast booth and having to intently watch a race. That's a great statistic, and I wonder if there's something to be that. I know he's going to be on a couple other broadcasts this year. Specifically, he's going to be on the Drivers Only broadcast that Fox does every year. That's going to be at the, the Coca-Cola 600 Memorial Day weekend race. But that is a really good thing, and he was great in the broadcast booth. Uh, Friday night in the Truck Series race, yesterday for the Xfinity Series race. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for how smart of a driver he is, and this kind of shows it a little bit. I mean, hey, if he's going to be on more broadcasts, I would lay some money down <laughs> saying that he's going to win on Sunday if he's going to be watching at least one, maybe two races before getting behind the wheel himself. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, we, we talk about Ryan Blaney. He won the race today, obviously big for him. Six now, we've had six winners in, in six races. There's kind of some of this talk of, uh, we're going to have 16 different winners, and is this going to be a wild year with the playoffs and everything? I personally don't see it this way. I look at the guys who have won this year. 
outside of Michael McDowell, uh, you know, we, we've all the usual suspects have, have kind of won a race. And, you, you know, you say William Byron won at Homestead. He won a race last year, so not a complete surprise. Chris Rebell, high expectations there when he got when he moved over to Gibbs this year, and he won. I don't think that's a complete surprise. Uh, to me, the win today doesn't really change the narrative, and I think we're still going to have the typical year where you've got you know, 11, 12, 13 different winners. Uh, way are you looking at it, the way it's shaping up? Are, are you thinking that we're going to have this wild, crazy year with a bunch of different winners? Honestly, that's kind of what I'm rooting for. I am <laughs> yeah, all we root in for chaos. chaos. That's all we want. Yeah. All in. I don't, yeah, I'm all chaos. I'm team chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that I read that under this playoff format, there have never been more than 16 race winners. So this really hasn't been an issue. Um, the only thing I will say about that, particularly with Byron and Bell, is that I expected these guys and, and maybe Blaney too. Like, I, you know, you expect them to, to win. I didn't expect them to win this early. Yeah. So I think that's the dynamic there because you do at some point then expect more so of your usual suspects like Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. Mm -hmm. Like you expect these guys will get wins eventually. And so with six winners and six races, I feel like you're at least set up to do that as opposed to having multiple repeat winners, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe through April or May or something like that. And it looks like, well, we're we're not going to get to 16. I think 16 would be fun. I think it would be interesting (laughs) to see, to actually have them, to have drivers be forced to race for a little something extra, even yeah. if they've already won. It, it would be an interesting dynamic if you get to the end of the regular season and a guy who's got a win all of a sudden realizes, oh, I'm not actually secure in the playoffs like I would have been just about That's every what single I mean. <laughs> oh, I actually need to win a second time here. That changes things a lot. I. I just don't see – you're going to need more Michael McDowell situations to materialize. Not saying it can't happen. Obviously, with the road courses this year, it's certainly there. Um, the way – my early takeaway, if, if we're going to have chaos this year, is the fact that I just don't see a one dominant driver team. I, you can certainly make the case for Kyle Larson, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. Um, he, he certainly looks kind of – he's kind of elevating him to himself to that status, but – Last week, I thought Martin Truex Jr. was kind of putting him in that position. Denny Hamlin has been very good week in and week out. Um, I know Chase Elliott continues to have all sorts of problems. I'm still really high on him. Um, I, Kyle Busch has had moments. I, I just don't see one driver team emerging yet where I think, man, everybody's chasing them. It might be Larson, and maybe I'm wrong after today, but I, I just I'm not there yet. I understand that, but I do want to point out that with the six winners we've had and the names you just listed off, yeah. we're getting real close to 16 drivers already. If that's, We all assume these guys are going to win at some point. They will. They're talented drivers. Yeah. They have great equipment. They will win. And, and I don't know. I Come on. Let's keep it interesting. <laughs> I, I'm all for chaos. I, I want drama. We want stories. We want to, you know, we, it's better for us if we have this. Um, I'm not there yet. I just think if you look at the guys who won races the last few years, we're seeing that kind of repeat itself this year. Again, we did talk but about Kyle. Go ahead. I, I just want to say, but there's also, I feel like there's a, a good chunk of fans out there who sit there and see Kevin Harvick win yeah. eight races in a season. And they're like, this is boring. This is ridiculous. We don't like a predictable winner, you know? Oh, absolutely. So to them, I say, this is your reward. (laughs) This is what you've been asking for. You don't want a predictable person in victory lane and you get all these different winners and it could be fun. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you, you mentioned Kevin Harvick, and let's jump ahead to him really quick. Uh, interesting day today. He started today. This was his track. You know, we, Jeff and I have talked for the last few weeks. We've said, you know, is it time to get concerned about Kevin Harvick? His performance isn't isn't bad. He's just not great like he's been. Is it time to be concerned about this? And we both kind of said, yeah, not yet. Let's see him get through Phoenix and get through Atlanta. These are two racetracks he typically does well at. Atlanta especially. He dominates here. Beginning of this race for Kevin Harvick was bad. I mean, like really bad as, you know, he, I know he had an issue on pit road and they had a flat tire, but even then they didn't have speed in the race car. He comes on the radio and says something to the fact, this is the worst car I've ever had at Atlanta. And it looks <laughs> like it, and that's, and that's bad for Harvick. And yeah. he's not a complainer on the radio. He is just not, he's really matter of fact. And it, it looked right, like so you gonna, hear him say that and yeah. it's just sort of like, oh man, this is a good track for him and he is not feeling yeah. great. At that point, my hand is going to the alarm bell to start not pulling it yet, but I'm getting ready to pull it like, okay, there's some. And this follows, by the way, his crew chief, Rodney Childers, who is a great interview. And, and I appreciate Rodney and his candidness. You know this. You've talked to him many times. He was on Sirius this week and he talked about how the new inspection policy that NASCAR has where they're really concentrating on the rear of this car has hurt Stuart Haas racing and they've lost about 70 pounds of downforce which is an incredible amount and it's hurt them badly and he says that's why so you, you take what Rodney says you take what's happening at the early stages of Atlanta and you're thinking man this team looks they're not bad but they don't look good and you feel like okay he rallied, he rallied back today to finish somewhere in the, I think he finished 10th he finished 10th so, yeah yeah so is it – should we be concerned? Should we sound the alarm bell? How do we take away from this? Or do we look at this and say this was a championship team, caliber team, who got a bad day, but they were gritty, and, they, and on a day when they didn't have things working in their favor, they figured out how to get something out of it? This is a total cop-out answer, but I think <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Yes, I really I agree. do. Like Harvick talks all the time about how what he and his team have is their consistency and how they've been working together for so long and they are able to solve problems and do it in an you know efficiently. Do it in a, in a in a reasonable amount of time. So, is this the the team that we saw last year with their dominance? No, but as you pointed out, things have changed, and you know Harvick is maybe a victim of that at this moment. But I also think that's contributing to the that's I mean we know that's contributing to the parity that we're seeing in this. And and there is no clear dominant team through six races at this point. Well, you say that there's no clear dominant wow. team right now. And I'm wondering if we do, or we or have one. And is that Kyle Larson? I look at Kyle Larson today, one stage one, one stage two. And it's not just that he won the stages. It's, but he won them by four. I think it was like six or seven seconds, both of them. You know, he was eight laps away from winning this race. He led an enormous amount of laps today. And on top of that, he won at Las Vegas already. He's had speed in just about every single race this year. Uh, is Kyle Larson going to be that dominant driver? It's certainly looking like it at this point, but then I think you also have to put it in perspective, six races out of 36. Like yeah. we are still so far at the beginning of the season. And, um, you know, I, I think teams are still getting adjusted yes. to, to the changes and, and how, where, where they each individually have to look at those problems and say, how, are, how can we go faster? So I think in some ways that teams have an advantage now at some point, like these other championship caliber perennial contenders, they're going to eventually put all the pieces together. And I said at the beginning of the season, I thought Denny Hamlin was going to be a dominant driver yeah. this season. I think he's been good. 
He has been, been good. He's been very good. He's just not like he was last year, which is very odd, but he's been very good. I mean, he's still good. He's just not Danny Hamlin-esque good. Right, but that's what I mean. Like you put and, – and maybe, you know, the, the forward team is in a slightly different position perhaps, but you look at some of these guys who are so used to winning regularly and dominating and because, you know, especially the Gibbs guys. Yeah. Like they're so – the fact that their youngest driver won <laughs> is the <laughs> one who already has the win. Yeah. You look at some of these guys and you're just, I feel like you're just waiting for that last puzzle piece to come together. And all of a sudden you're going to see Truex, Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin rattle off wins at some point. No, I agree. And we, we saw that last year. I mean, before the break, Kevin Harvick was very good and they were in contention to win races, but they hadn't won a race. And we come out of that, you know, two month break and Harvick starts rattling off wins, you know, like every other week it felt like, mm-hmm. and it just, they went to another level. Um, the thing with Larson that's impressed me is I, I really thought there was going to be a little bit of just acclimation, you know, new crew chief, new team. You're, you're back in a stock car for the first time in almost a year. There's just, you're getting used to things. You're going, you know, Daytona road course. He'd never been there before, uh, you know, on a mm-hmm. stock car. It's just like those kind of things. There's been nothing. There's been no rust whatsoever. He's come back. He and crew chief Cliff Daniels have gelled instantly. And he just looks like the driver we always said. We always talked about how, you know, he's been touted as the next Jeff Gordon, the next Tony Stewart. And he was with Ganassi. There was a couple years there, 2007, 2017 particularly. We had four wins and he looked great. But it was just this roller coaster up and down. We haven't seen this kind of dominance from him. This to me seems like a driver coming into his own. And I'm starting to wonder if we're going to have this just monster year from him where it's, you know, a six, seven win year. And all of a sudden Kyle Larson is a legit championship contender. If this kind of parody that we've seen so far keeps going throughout the rest of the season, I don't think we're getting any seven win teams <laughs> like that is. I mean, I, I I understand that fans don't really love it when one team dominates like it, that much, but it's. It is interesting. It's I find it interesting when someone is so good and so much better yeah. than the rest of the field, especially when you have so many cars out there. Um, but you know, if this keeps up, I you know maybe you get a four-win team, and yeah, that's it, it, maybe pushing it. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you look at you look at Stuart Haas Racing right now, and, and it's hard to think that Kevin Harvick winning nine races this year and do, replicating what he did last year. It just it doesn't feel like that's possible. Denny Hamlin, as good as he's been this year, winning six races, I don't know. I think that's a tall ask. Um, I look at Hendrick Motorsports right now, though, with Kyle Larson running so well. Um, Alex Bowman finished third today. William Byron is in the top ten. Um, Chase Elliott had a good run going, and then he had all sorts of issues today. It, it, it To me, Hendrick Motorsports has really asserted themselves at, at the top. And, and I know Penske won today, but if you're looking organizational strength, you know, top to bottom – uh, to me, it's clear cut. Hendrick is on another level right now, and everybody's playing catch up. I thought that going into today, and there was nothing that happened today with Ryan Blaney winning, because what Kyle Larson did to me just shows that Hendrick has got this figured out, and especially on these mile and a half intermediate racetracks. Because Byron won at Homestead, Larson won at Vegas, and today Larson kicked everyone's butt and should have won going away. Everyone else seems to be playing catch up right now on these kind of tracks. Yeah, it definitely feels like Hendrick has something has changed with that within that organization, and, and they are much more dominant than we've seen. But yeah, you're, you're, to your point about the the mile and a half, like it's just they're looking like a different team. 
They are. And it's interesting is, is Chad can kind of talk about this a little bit. And I've asked, you know, a couple people in the press conferences as we have. And I asked Chase Elliott earlier this week is there's been a massive reorganization with within Hendrick. They bring in Rudy Fugel for William Byron to be his crew chief. They put Chad Canals kind of in over, you know, kind of overseeing the four teams. It seems to be that that it really has impacted everybody because Hendrick's way for a long time was kind of everybody kind of did their own thing. And Chad talked about this in an interview with the Associated Press and that because Jimmy Johnson and the 48 team were so dominant, everybody just kind of replicated what they were doing within Hendrick. But everybody can't do the same thing. They just – for a lot of different reasons. And now everybody's kind of putting their collective head together and they're all coming together to come with different ideas of how to be faster and I think we're seeing that now where it's not just one team is doing this. It's across the board with Hendrick. And it's scary to me how good I think they can be because they're conti- the, the Chad Canales is in this new role. Kyle yeah, I was going to ask, do you think this is a direct result of Chad moving into a new role at the organization? I think, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think you put a guy like Chad in, in front of this and leading things with his mat, with his skill set is, is going to is really give the direction for them. I think when you've got really four talented drivers. You bring in a guy like Kyle Larson, who is just this exceptional talent. Um, I don't mean to belittle Jimmy Johnson, but Jimmy Johnson, the last few years, was not seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson. That was a driver wow. who, you know, it was fairly obvious that his ability had, had come back a little bit. Um, so you're replacing a Johnson who was kind of past his prime, and I say that kindly, um, with a guy in Kyle Larson who's young, is really talented and is a generational talent. Um, so you're adding all these like bit, you're putting all these pieces together to this puzzle. Um, I, I just think they're going to be really good, and I think we're seeing it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think anyone ever doubted that Kyle Larson was one of the most talented drivers on the track, regardless of how old he was or who else was out there with him. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. The only thing a knock on Larson was at Ganassi, you know, is it's, he'd have these years. He'd look really, really good, and he'd have years where he'd look so, you know, so-so. And there was always questions, was it Ganassi? Was it Larson? Was it a combination? Was Larson's heart really in NASCAR? Did he want to be doing other stuff? Um, I think those those questions have been answered. One, Larson is phenomenal. He wants to be in NASCAR. Um, he didn't have to come back. He chose to come back. Um, Ganassi, we, we've seen where they're at right now and where they've been. Um, so we're getting the answer to these questions and it's going to be interesting to see where this journey goes. But I, I just think that I look at this organization and I don't see why they can't do what Gibbs has done the last few years or that kind of thing where they win a bunch of races. And I'm talking double digit wins. Yeah, absolutely. That was my first thought when you started to see this, um, when you started to see the Hendrick cars as a unit, um, do really well in, in these first few races. That was my first thought. Like, whoa, wait, what about the Gibbs guys? <laughs> They're usually yeah. the ones that, we, you know, we've got our eye on multiple drivers. Um, so it'll be interesting. It, it will. I want to talk about Daniel Suarez really quick and Trackhouse Racing. They haven't gotten – they've gotten publicity, obviously. You've got Pitbull involved in that race team. You're going to have a lot of attention. But as we've moved along into the season a little bit, most of the tension has kind of gone to 2311 racing out of these new teams. Today, though, they turned in a really impressive run. Um, Daniel yeah, Suarez that was a- really unfortunate that Suarez yeah. got that speeding penalty for him because that, that team, that car, they were running really well in the top 10 when they got that penalty, yeah, right? he was sixth at the time of the penalty, pit road speeding penalty late. Um, still I th- finished about 17th or so. 
good run for them. That team is really building something. And I know that sounds cliche, but you can really see them get better every week. They're starting to be more mm-hmm. consistent. They're running in the top 15 now on a regular basis. Today was kind of the breakthrough a little bit. Um, the mistake on pit road was unfortunate. Um, to me, this is a great thing. Daniel Suarez, to me, is one of those drivers who is the last few years has kind of it's his career's kind of gone off the path a little bit, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Some of not of his own doing. Um, to see him in this team with what they're doing with Justin Marks and, and Pitbull and what they want to do, their opportunity is there to really do some big things potentially, and it does feel like they're they're making progress and getting to that goal. Honestly, that progress, the the rate at which that progress has come this season has been really surprising because I just, especially with a new team, I think you just don't expect all of that to, to click and work so well, so quickly there, you've growing Mm -hmm. pains, you have issues, you have chemistry, you know, you're working with equipment, all that. There's so many different factors that can play into this. And so, yeah, all of a sudden looking up and seeing, Whoa, Larson's running in the top 10. Like this is new, interesting, different, fun. It is. And I think it's great for NASCAR. I mean, we, we talk a lot about MJ and 2311 racing and understandably so. Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. But mm-hmm. it, to me, the possibilities, um, Daniel Suarez, you know, be, being from Mexico and the opportunity he can get to to bring in new fans in the sport and Pitbull's enthusiasm and, and willing to, I mean, just it's not fake. He really wants to mm-hmm. be part of this and, and do bigger things. The opportunity is going to really be there for them to, to really kick down the door of what they want to accomplish. I'm really enthused about what they can potentially do. I think it's, I think it's wonderful for NASCAR and, and it's great. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to applaud anyone who is interested in trying to bring people of color and women to a white male dominated sport. Like <laughs> absolutely. And, and to your point, I, I agree that, that someone like Pitbull it's interesting because he's such a big superstar, obviously, Mr. Worldwide and all that. <laughs> but his enthusiasm for what he and Justin Marks and, you know, by extension, uh, Daniel Suarez, what they're trying to accomplish, his enthusiasm for that really, truly does seem genuine. Like he's genuinely excited to encourage um you know, more people of color to get involved in all aspects of racing and not just behind the wheel, but from a STEM and engineering side of things. Um, It's it's refreshing to see someone who is not a part of the sport come into the sport and have such unbridled enthusiasm about um, not just what you're doing, but what you also hope to do. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, no, no knock to MJ. I mean, who, you know, he's got a lot of commitments and I'm not, you know, he owns the Charlotte. Oh Hornets yeah. No, but, that's not against. But, that's no, not- no, no, no. But I'm saying Pitbull coming in though. Like, it's just like, he just wants to be at the racetrack all of the time. He wants <laughs> yeah. to be part of this. And it's, it's unfortunate we're in these times of, of COVID and, you know, and things are so in lockdown and everything because you do get the, the genuine sense that he would just be at, almost every race and just be like almost handing out tickets, getting people to come here. And it's like, you want to see that kind of enthusiasm come through. Yeah, you absolutely do. And you know, we, we've, I feel like we've sort of heard people say that before, maybe like um, not too long ago when we, when we spoke with Alvin Kamara about how much he loves NASCAR and things like that, you got the same vibe that it's like, wait a second, you really wish that you could be at every race or, or a, couple weeks ago, I spoke with um, a little bit lesser known NFL player, uh, Antonio Williams. Yeah. He's, running he's, back for the Buffalo Bills. 
he said he said his goal is to be at every single race weekend until training camp starts or right before that but he wants to be there as much as possible and you see i think it goes again to some of these these nascar outsiders who are you know maybe casual fans and getting more into it or never been a fan and they're getting Mm -hmm. into it and whatever it is you know and then they have money to put behind their endeavors and it's just it's interesting to see how excited all of these people are and how much they would love to be at the track every weekend. It is. It's encouraging. Um, it, it bodes well for NASCAR, I think, going forward. Um, their initiatives on the racetrack, off the racetrack, and, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Michelle Martinelli is our guest from USA Today from For the Win. Uh, Jeff Gluck is off this week and will be gone for the next few weeks. Michelle, each week for For the Win, you do a weekly segment called Feud of the Week. Um, it's, it's mostly weekly. Mo- I don't mostly force weekly. it. Okay. Um, I don't can, force it, but okay. Yeah, you don't want to force it. Can I just can I put on can I take a guess? Just a hunch. Just a complete guess. You're going to have an installment of Feud of the Week this week, and I'm just gonna say, go on a limb, Noah Gregson and Daniel Hemrick is gonna be your feud of the week. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> yes, nailed it. I mean, anytime someone throws a punch, I literally <laughs> don't care what the situation is. That is going to be Feud of the week, which uh, my editor at For the Win, Nate Scott, would yes. uh, be very disappointed if I didn't point out that he really is, hates the fact that I'm calling it Feud of the Week and not Beef of the Week. What? I, really I love wish- Nate. He's my former editor at SB Nation. God bless him. Uh, Feud of the Week is so much better. No, he loves Beef of the Week. <laughs> oh, Beef of the Week? It sounds like a calendar of like like naked <laughs> firefighters or something. Oh, God, this took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you say like beef of the week. I mean, that's like. That's a, I mean, now that's literally going to be the only thing I'll think about every time he calls it beef of the week. But you're welcome. Anyway, back on track. Uh, yes, Noah Gregson and uh, Daniel Hemrick <laughs> throwing down after the uh, Xfinity race on Saturday. Yeah. Um, if you didn't see it, uh, they, you know, Daniel Hemrick came into his pits pit box on a, during a routine pit stop, and he kind of was out a little bit, maybe blocking Gregson. Gregson took exception to that and went around him and then got in too deep in his pit stall and he had to back up and he backed up. I think it's fair to say a little excessively. Um, won't a say little it was overzealous. Do- yes, perhaps. that's a great, great word. Overzealous and got into, you know, made contact with Hemrick's car and which mm-hmm. is really an incredibly dangerous thing to do when you've got pit crews. And I just, I cringe at this because we saw today an incident on pit road with Anthony Alfredo where he spun sideways and that could have been really ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gregson did that. He backed up into Hemrick's car and pulled forward. And it was something you look at in the moment you're going, was that really necessary? Um, Hemrick, to his credit, uh, defended his crew guys <laughs> after the race and confronted Gregson on pit road. And quickly that turned um punches were throwing and uh, hemrick looked like hemrick threw one for sure Gregson they both threw, threw they both yeah. threw punches i've watched yeah. the video several times for <laughs> my feud of the week story this week um yeah noah i don't think landed his first one but i think he landed his second yeah punch. i take exception to that too by the way because noah's second punch was thrown when hemrick was wrapped up with a crew guy i mean i like i'm not a yeah but i mean he missed big time on the yeah first for sure Listen, i'm a lover big not a fighter i'm a lover not a fighter <laughs> yeah, I have, I have two. I just, I don't know. I have two quick things on this. Yeah, please. First of all, if you're going to throw a punch at someone, will you please do it while one person is giving an on camera interview so that we can all 
get a nice yeah. up close and personal view of that like we did this time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, on a much more serious note, Really, it's, I mean, thank God one of Hemrick's crew guys was not oh. running around the front of that car. Like, that yeah. was absolutely, you see that replay, mm -hmm. and that's the first thing that's like, oh, my God, was there a guy there? Was he running around the front of the car? Like, yeah. these pit crew guys, they are athletes. A lot of them are former college athletes. They are, you know, fast, strong, and all that. But who knows what is going to happen when a race car backs up into you and perhaps Absolutely. pins you up against another car. That's we, we saw We saw last year at uh, Indianapolis in the Brickyard 400. Uh, I believe it was mm -hmm. a, a crew member on Ryan Blaney's car uh, broke his leg. You know, it, it's just, it is a very vulnerable, those guys are in such a vulnerable spot. And, and 12 seconds at a time. They do a yeah. very dangerous job. Yes. Uh, and I take exception with what Gregson did in that. And he says it was an accident. I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to to measure intent. Um, NASCAR today came out and said they're not going to penalize them, and because they didn't feel it was deliberate. I actually am okay with them not penalizing Gregson because again, I don't know how you measure intent. Um, it, it's really hard in that situation if you look at it to say maybe he just made a mistake. I mean, it's everything is happening so quick. Fine. Um, it's just a tough situation. Taking a step back, the bigger thing for me, the outlook is is no Gregson's in the headlines again for stuff that I don't know he really needs to be in the headlines for. He, he seems to be bringing this stuff upon him. You know, at Homestead a few weeks ago, he's, he's leading a race late, gets into it with a lap car, and then just five straight days of him sounding off, basically, and blasting, you know, different people. Um, and this has been a repeated thing. And at some point, to me, this is a young man who's got a lot of pressure on him, has had a lot of things happen to him personally over the last year or so. There's always been questions about his maturity in and of the race car and out of the race car. Um, I'm just worried that we're continuing to see these incidents. And to me, this looks like it's a, a spiral that someone needs to step in and say, what's going on here? Is that too much? Am I overthinking this? I, I don't know if you're overthinking it. It, and I, you know, I'm hesitant to speculate on anything like this Absolutely. because Absolutely. we don't, we really don't know, but I do think you bring up a good point that it, it, it seems like whether it's related to something on the racetrack or it's not, it's that whatever those emotions are that are building up inside of him are coming out on the racetrack and not in a good way. And it does feel like it, that the way he is expressing that frustration is perhaps escalating. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think he's really talented. I think in the right environment, I think he can be a winning race car driver. He, he has talent. Um, I, I would love to see it, – it's you know I, I've heard Dale Earnhardt Jr. say on his podcast that he's kind of letting Noah be Noah this year. That's fine. That, that's It's your prerogative. You're the owner team. I, I just feel like there needs to be some somebody coming in here and just offering, it feels like, a little bit of guidance and just saying, hey, Noah, like, listen, bud. What, can we talk? What What is going on? Because there's it, just these repeated incidents. And, you know, whether the, the pit road incident was deliberate or not, I just that could have turned ugly in a hurry and you don't need that if you're Noah Gregson. Yeah, it could I mean everyone in that situation needs to be very thankful that it did not end in disaster the way it so easily could have. And I agree that it's really hard to to judge someone's intent and we don't know what NASCAR said to Gregson when they when they um talked to him in the hauler and all that. Um, so, you know, maybe for perhaps it was yeah. like a really stern talking to like the next time something like this happens, we're going to park you indefinitely or something like that. I don't we don't know what that is. But the only thing I will say about intent 
is it's it's impossible not to notice the fact that the as Hemrick and Gregson were trying to pull into mm-hmm. their pit boxes, the pit box in front of Gregson was empty. Yeah. So he didn't necessarily need to back up into Hemrick in order to straighten out and get himself inside the box. He could have pulled way forward and then pulled back and had plenty of room to work with without scaring some of the 18 crew members a little bit. Yeah, no, one I guy jumped back. If you watch the video, <laughs> yeah. at least one person was very, appeared to be very afraid yeah. in that moment. And that's, and that's the thing, fair. you know, and, and Gregson has said, it, I, I was going slow, which is fine. I, I don't care if you're going 10 miles an hour, but when you, you're on a live pit road and a guy, a crew member gets startled because all of a sudden a car is backing up towards him, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. If that crew member takes a step or two back, all of a sudden he's in traffic. And it's just, again, it, to me, it's, it, I said this a few weeks ago on the podcast. I've said this in, in, on Sirius radio a few times. To me, it's situational awareness. It's race management. And that is part of it. And I am just, that is an area that I, that Noah Gregson needs to work on. Yeah. I just, I'm so incredibly thankful that there were no pit crew members running around the front of the 18 because <laughs> that I just, that could have been awful. Yes. Agreed. Um, Let's look ahead a little bit. Uh, Jeff isn't here, and it's unfortunate just because he has been – he can't stop talking about this, and his feelings are so well-known. Uh, he is not a fan of the Bristol Dirt Race. He has made that very known ever since this was announced, even before they announced it, and it was kind of being talked about. Um, he's been very adamant about it, which is great because that's I, – I, I'm going to miss him next week when this race happens. Um, Michelle, your thoughts on the Bristol Dirt Race. I don't think we've actually talked about this before. No, we ha- we definitely haven't talked about it. Um, <laughs> my thoughts are I am in favor of NASCAR trying to shake up its schedule in any way it possibly can think of. Whether or not those experiments work is a different story, but yeah. you're not going to know until you try something. And I am so in favor of trying something radical like a Bristol dirt race. I agree. Uh, I wrote about a column after they announced the schedule. I said, if you're going to try to hit home runs, you're going to have an occasional strikeout, but that's okay. Um, Right. If it's awful, don't do it again, but you tried it. What if it's great? Like, I don't, I don't know that it will be great. Yeah. I don't, but yeah, you have to try it. You have to try it. If you're trying to add some spice to the monotony of a nine month schedule where you go to the same places over and over and over again. And I think you make two good points there. One, if you're going to knock NASCAR for its boring schedule, which has been a common complaint over the years, (laughs) you can't criticize them when they try to do something grandiose outside the box. It's like, again, my, my, my issue is, and and I've said this before, I'm I'm a bit of a broken record is I'm all in favor of a dirt race. If you're going to have a dirt race at Bristol, just bring a third race to the racetrack. So that way you don't, ruin you still have two oval you know uh, concrete oval races there which people absolutely love and if the dirt race fails you're just like oh no big deal it was a bonus race and that way it really just would eliminate all of the possible complaints but again that's monday morning quarterbacking and it's so much easier to do that i don't know what next week's going to bring you you talk to drivers you talk to crew chiefs everybody just kind of collectively shrugs their shoulders and they're like we have no idea and I think that's I think that's okay. Well, that's not true. Kevin Harvick thinks it's going to be the longest dirt race. In yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> which I don't think he's necessarily wrong. Well, he's, it depends on the cautions. Um, the math yeah. works out. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, um, but it's going to be fine. It's, it's it's going to be a spectacle, one way or another. It's going to be a spectacle. People are going to be talking about it. 
hopefully mm-hmm. for the good reasons, but it's, I think it's going to, it's an event and I like yeah. events on the schedule. I mean, we talk about Daytona, Daytona 500. We talk about Daytona closing out the regular season. We talk about Talladega in the fall and Martinsville in the fall and the championship race. Those are event races. We need more of these event races in the middle of the season. I'm sorry. It's, it's March and we're all excited about a Bristol dirt race. That's a good thing, regardless of what the, whatever the race is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. 100% because so many of these races are not events. If you go outside of the crown jewels and you go, you know, you leave Talladega yeah. and you leave Daytona and, and you go to some of these, you get lost in the middle. How easy is it to get lost in the, absolutely in, in between, you know, you throw in after the West coast swing and before let's say the Coke 600, how easy is it to get lost in some of those races just because there's nothing that you're, that you as a NASCAR fan are particularly looking forward to. I think this is, this is great. You need something like this to shake up the season. And if it fails, if it's awful, don't do it again. If it's great, maybe next year or the year after you do get Bristol three races and say, yeah, one of them has to be dirt, but we like this so much. We're bringing it back. And then some. Yeah. I I applaud NASCAR and its willingness to try. And it's really easy to say we're not going to do that because we're be afraid to fail. That for a long time was NASCAR's leadership model of we're just that's how we've always done it. We're not going to do that because we just don't do it that way. And this is a leadership model now that they're willing to take chances and swing for the fences. I I think it's a good thing. I'm excited to see how this goes. We'll see. Yeah, I I absolutely (laughs) agree. I I think that's the right approach because if you look at it, generally speaking, the mentality of this is how we've always done it. So we're going to keep doing it this way is not a great mentality. And that's not specific to NASCAR. That's being stuck in the, in your old ways is not great. Be creative, try something new. If it works awesome. If it doesn't, you tried and move on. Exactly. We're winding down our time here on the, on the Teardown Podcast. Uh, Michelle Martinelli from USA Today for the win. Uh, Michelle, we appreciate your time. Before we get to my favorite segment of the show, the Was It a Good Race poll, uh, we need to talk about something that you are doing, though. And you've got a new podcast coming out, which I don't think I can really accurately describe this. I will just say it's a true crime plus NASCAR. Is that the best way to describe it in, in the short form? In the short form, yes. yes. Give me so- a longer form. The longer form is, uh, it is a, yes, it is a sports true crime podcast uh, from For the Win and USA Today. It's called The Sneak. Um, We are in our, this is the third season. So the third season has a NASCAR focus. Um, The first season was about a former college football player who uh, robbed bank. The second season was about a world champion surfer who turned into a jewel thief slash murderer. And uh, That's quite the combination, by the way. Um, and this one, yeah, has a NASCAR twist. It's, uh, it's called the disappearance of Mario Rossi. Mm -hmm. Um, Mario Rossi is not a well-known name in the NASCAR world. Maybe he was decades ago, but certainly not now. And I assure you, because I've asked drivers and crew chiefs about him (laughs) and only one driver knew who I was talking about. Um, Mario Rossi was an engineer and crew chief from the 1960s and seventies, um, he mysteriously disappeared off the face of the planet just after New Year's in 1983. And his, his family was told that he died in a plane crash. And um, we've been investigating this for months at this point, the better part of 2020. And it does not appear that he died in a plane crash. And uh, so we've been working with him or his family and um, 
just trying to tell the story, trying to get some answers, trying to shed some light on a person in NASCAR who I'd like to point out is generally contri excuse me. No, tongue He's a person in NASCAR who is generally credited with two major developments that are still in place today. One of them is the harness that the drivers wear in the driver's seat. Um, Joe Weatherly was a good friend of yeah. Mario Rossi's and he died. And that was sort of a catalyst that led him yeah. to um, decide to fasten the seatbelt to, yeah. the, to the race car to protect the driver. He was also credited with first gluing the lug nuts onto the wheel to significantly increase the time it takes for pit stops. And as soon as everyone saw how quickly the team that he was working with was able to do a pit stop, all of a sudden everyone started gluing lug nuts to their wheels. Yeah, uh, Mario's a very interesting guy. He's been uh, in. He's he's got a rich history in NASCAR uh, with Bobby Allison for a, of quite a few of Bobby's wins. Um, you talk about Joe Weatherly, a lot of safety innovations there. Joe was killed at Riverside, two-time defending uh, Premier Series champion, was killed in, in an early season race at Riverside. And Mario helped, like you said, the safety harnesses, the window net, um, really kind of one of those un, unsung people in the sport. So. I am very. I, I know you've been working on this for a long time, you and Nate. It's a great thing. I, I'm really intrigued. I'm excited for it, and congratulations because I know you've put a lot of time and energy into it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And you mentioned the Allison brothers. We talked to the Allison brothers. Oh my we goodness. talked to Daryl Waltrip. We talked to Jeff Gordon. We talked to all these players from current NASCAR and past NASCAR to see if they have any answers, if they could tell us what this guy was like, and it's really interesting. Um, I do need to plug this real quick that nope. the – Sneak will be season three of the sneak will be available on Wondery Plus starting on Tuesday, March 26th, and April 6th, anywhere podcasts are available. Awesome. I, I look forward to it. And uh, before we go to the Was It a Good Race poll, let me just mention too if you're listening to the teardown and you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, now is a great time to become a subscriber. We have a great deal $1 a month for new subscribers that gives you access to everything across the board MLB, NBA. NFL, motorsports, you name it. If you are a sports fan, you want to be part of this team here at The Athletic. $1 a month. We encourage it. Check it out. I think you're going to love it. If you're a sports fan, you're going to love what we offer. Uh, it is my favorite time of the show. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh. This is why I don't know why. You, I feel like my, Jeff usually laughs at you, maybe. maybe yeah, I, Jeff laughs at me. Basically, yeah, yeah. Well, this podcast is basically 30 minutes of Jeff making fun of me. So this has been actually been welcome <laughs> reprieve and no offense to Jeff. I don't miss him because this has been great. Um, but you, you, you know, that's fine. Um, so you, you know how this works. Was it a good race poll? We ask, how are fans going to vote for this race? Are they going to say what percentage of fans are going to say this was a good race? You are our guest. I will give this the floor to you. What percentage of fans will say that this was a good race when they vote starting tomorrow? Ooh, I really wish I had Jeff's past Atlanta data. In yeah, I do too. I, that's moment. my fault. I'm sorry. Um, but honestly, they can, those percentages can't be that high either for past Atlanta. This races. is a race where you it, you don't get a lot of excitement, and you typically have a one driver dominate. So I I think the number would be fairly low. Is it fair to say it might be less than fifty percent? Uh, I was going to say like 55, 58. So yeah, I was thinking like somewhere between 49 and 53. I don't think that's a bad number. Uh, so give me a hey, number. The last 10 laps were great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, is what happened before those 10 laps. Um, <laughs> so give me a number. What's your pick? I'm going to go with 53. That's a good number. That's a good number. Um, 
I'm going to just spread it a little bit. I'm going to say 58%. I, I just, I mean, no offense. I mean, Kyle Larson dominated this thing. I mean, just beginning to almost near the end, it was his race. It, it was really never a doubt. Like you said, the last 10 laps were good. I just don't know if those last 10 laps make up for what happened. Blaney's a popular winner. I'll take 58. You take 53. Let's see what happens. Awesome. <laughs> Is Jeff still going to do the poll, even though he's on yeah. turn? Yes, he was. He's got to do it. He, he said he has to do it because it's just, it's a great barometer. And uh, there's a lot of people and I know, yeah, I know people within the industry, uh, people with NASCAR with other, you know, they look at this poll, they use it as, as a little bit of a metric. So it's, you know, he is going to keep doing it. Thank goodness. Um, and as many times as he texted me today, watching the race, I think he's really bored. So it'll give him something to do. Well, that's good. That's good. I hope I filled in well enough for You're him awesome. because actually when I was hired years ago at USA Today and would tell people that it was about a year after Jeff left USA Today <laughs> and everyone, all these NASCAR fans and even people in the media center were like, oh my gosh, did you replace Jeff Gluck? And they were just appalled by it. I'm like, no, different jobs. There's like a year gap between our yeah. employments, totally different thing. But Every once in a while, I get an email saying Jeff Gluck was better. <laughs> <laughs> he's beloved. I mean, it's just he's he's a great guy. I mean, I owe my career yeah. to Jeff for a lot of different. I mean, I literally owe my career to Jeff for a lot of different reasons. Um, but he's just he's got this. People love him. Uh, NASCAR fans are just drawn to him. He's you know I think part of it is probably because he was one of the first really to uh, NASCAR media to embrace social media. But he, he, fans love him. He, he offers such a great perspective. So we do miss him. But you filled in wonderfully. It was great. Um, thank you so well, much. Thank you I very appreciate much. it. Absolutely. Make sure to check out Michelle's work, USA Today, for the win. She's got some great stuff. And then one more time, your new podcast coming out. Season three of The Sneak from For the Win and USA Today is available Tuesday, March 26th on Wondery Plus and available April 6th wherever you get your podcasts. Wonderful. That's Michelle Martinelli. I'm Jordan Bianchi with here at The Athletic. Please take a listen to our podcast, The Teardown. And again, $1 subscription we are offering for new subscribers here at The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, please check out our work. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Teardown. Teardown.